Hi everyone, welcome back to Shoot Talk Time and it's our first ever episode online with all of us online. And today we're going to be looking at the very exciting Pilgrimage of Grace and I feel like we reference the Pilgrimage of Grace a lot and often follow up by saying if you know you know Um, Mm. but now we're going to help you know. I think pre-warning Phoebe and I are suffering from a round of the freshest flu so (laughs) we sound so bad. Apologies. Um, we will edit out any coughs, um, but will we? We will. <laughs> okay. Phoebe says as though she's the one editing. <laughs> Not this I'll, put, week. I'll put that in my notes. Laurel just leaving all of Phoebe's <laughs> coughs and edit out hers. Take out oh, <laughs> Okay, should we? Should we kick off the Pilgrimage of Grace now? Let's set the scene. The year is 1536. A lot of big things happen in this year. You've got stuff like Catherine of Aragon dies. Anne Boleyn. Also dies. And you have a new wife. And (laughs) biggest thing, you have a lot of new religious legislation. Everyone's favourite thing. (laughs) A bit of religious (laughs) legislation. And so we do have to keep that notion of just complete and utter religious turmoil. Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, and it's all just a little bit of a mess. And it's, it's super scary. It's really scary. <laughs> Within all this religious turmoil, probably 1536, the main trigger, and that is the act to dissolve small monasteries. This is really... Yeah important because it has both it had both like really big religious and social ramifications because i mean not only were monasteries uh but they were very important to um catholicism and the catholic church they also were super crucial to people in their everyday life it the monasteries served as a place where they could get free like medical care and like get a form of education and stuff obviously not but like it was so incredibly important to the local communities um that dissolving the monasteries would have huge social impact so the rebellion itself started in louth parish church um louth is in lincolnshire if you didn't know already um I'm sure it's a lovely place. And it was an especially lovely place in 1536 because the parish had just built a new tower to add on to their church, which that is like, I don't know, the biggest sign of look at how great we are, look at how amazing we're doing, look at how much we care about our church. And all the people, you know, in in effect, it was the people's tower, you know. They had come together and funded it in ways of like leaving money to the church in their wills it was their tower um just to you know really hit knock that home however word was spreading 
that the king's men were actually going to come and inspect. And I, I'm not sure if my air quotes will be picked up in audio form, but inspect, there are air quotes around it, this new um, tower and their church. And this also, like we should mention the Valor Ecclesiasticus, the survey of church wealth that happened in 1535, where you have Lee and Leighton going to the churches and the monasteries and, you know, having a, visiting them and having a look at them <laughs> and, you know, writing up their wealth and then taking things. Or, and then we also have the dissolution of the monasteries. So these visitations, you didn't, they weren't of the vibe. They weren't fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the important thing is that the people of Laos think that like the king and his men have their eyes on their tower and they're not having any (laughs) they don't want they are proud of their tower and no one will take this tower from them so what they did in true like sneaky 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 style um, I was hoping to have another word at the end of that sentence, but I couldn't think of another. <laughs> sneaky, 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 sneaky. They hid out in the church the night before the king's men were set to arrive, which it just, I love that. I love that. I, I don't know why, but I find like, that. I like, and I like them like hiding under the pews in the church. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they were ready. They bring their sleeping bags. Um, and so the morning that the king's men arrived, and I think this was actually October 1st, um, so just in time for spooky season, the the church inspectors, the king's men, come dawdling in and they are grabbed by the rebels. The rebels grab them, they attack them, they burn their papers, their official documents. They are like... <clears throat> sorry. They are like no way are you going to inspect our church and take our beautiful things from our lovely new tower and then they moved off i will like i would like to add that there's no record of what happened to these officials afterwards um but it doesn't say that they killed them anywhere so i maybe they just went home Maybe they just were like, this inspection life is too much for me. It's not what I thought it was when I signed up. Exactly. Maybe they just thought, you know what? I've got a family at home. This is this dangerous life. It's not for Uh, me anymore. Fair enough. Go home. Quick. Have a cup of tea. Yeah. But this was actually not even the Pilgrimage of Grace. Just an FYI. This was actually the Lincolnshire Rising. But it is they're almost one in the same and i just thought interesting the pilgrimage of grace the term itself was actually only used to describe the risings that were led by robert ask who will come on to but Mm -hmm. the main point about lao is this kind of catalyzes a lot more risings to take place and it spurs on people who hear of this and then they go oh my god they're rising i should rise as well yeah because lao wasn't the only place like the only place who kind of felt this way about like the way that their churches and stuff looked if that makes sense I don't really know how else to describe yeah. it but like mm-hmm. you know I'm sure other towns had towers that they were equally as proud of but the point <laughs> is 
is that <laughs> Louth standing up for their tower like this inspired loads of other places to be like, we don't need to be walked over and have people no. come and steal our towers. And the North is firmly Catholic still at this point. They are not into the funny stuff going on with the Reformation. They're not into the idea that Henry is the leader of the church. They they don't like that stuff. They like the Pope. They like their masses. They like their cute churches. And so I think whilst it is about a tower, it's about what the tower represents as well. But the Lincolnshire Rising in itself only lasted about a fortnight. And once it was over, Henry then um, disabled the army because he didn't think anything else was going to happen. Ignorant man. But news of this rising spreads, and it spreads to Beverly on the 8th of October, and then it continues to even spread further north. Out of this, you can probably find there are about five main revolts. So you have Lincolnshire, East Riding, and in the northwestern counties in 1536, you have two more, East Riding and the Northwest again in 1537. Although we can say that the 1537 ones were probably more about like people being frightened that Henry wasn't going to like let rebels just go peacefully and that they would do nothing to help and that they felt they'd been betrayed by their gentry people. Very true. And with all of this spreading information and the... Not the rumours, not rumours, but with the news and the knowledge of rebellions and uprisings, eventually it reached a particular man by the name of Robert Ask. So he was actually a lawyer um, and he came over on a boat. Well, Robert really takes, is it informal for me to call him Robert? Mr. Ask really took these rebels and organised them into a rebellion, into what we know as the pilgrimage of grace. Um, He took the rebels' oath. Now, I think the rebels' oath is super interesting because the oath meant he vowed to be true to God, king, and country, which is interesting because what it, I think it shows that we, you know, while the pilgrimage of grace had political impacts on like Henry's stability and blah 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 blah. It wasn't necessarily trying to do that. They were just like, give us our church back, give us our Catholicism back. We still want Henry. We still support Henry in England, but we just want our churches to be how we want them to be. But also because God and King are so separated in that oath, it's just emphasizing the fact that they are like you're not my you're not my head of church. You are the king and that is what you are. Yeah, no for sure. Yeah. This, the pilgrimage of grace is really interesting as a rebellion because it's one of the few rebellions that isn't actually trying to you know, you don't get a lot of rebellions in this time where they're like we love you as monarch, but we don't love your action. It's normally like so we're gonna try and replace you as monarch. And Robert Ask as well, he's actually the person who gave the movement the title The Pilgrimage of Grace when he said, Ye shall not enter into this our pilgrimage of grace for the Commonwealth, but only for the love that ye do bear unto Almighty God. So back from that point, it's about God. Well, it's about God in quotes. Um, but yeah, he's influential man. I just, I really do love for lack of a better word, the marketing around this pilgrimage of grace. Um, 
their flag I love it. I don't, you know, I don't love it, but I think it's so well thought out. They had the flag depicting the crucifixion of Christ with their emphasis on the five wounds. So like wrists and ankles and then heart. The five wounds of Christ are like, they are a Catholic symbol. Um, and we, they even have the Catholic golden mass, which is dedicated to the five wounds of Christ. Um, and I'm not a Catholic and I'm not, you know, it's been a while since I did any historical theology or anything, but it was quite a big symbol back then of Catholicism and Roman Catholic symbolism being used in this pilgrimage just it like absolutely emphasises the just pure religious um, aims of the pilgrimage of grace that they just wanted the Pope and the Catholicism. But talking about aims, there has the pilgrimage of grace itself within um, and amongst historians, it's a big source of controversy because, you know, we can't really tell who sparked this rising and also why it sparked. So there are people who've said it was like a conspiracy amongst the gentry nobility classes, also people who think it was coming from the political elite, but then a lot of people saying that it was actually the commoners and it was the people who spurred this on. And at the same time, you've got like, was it religious? Was it social? Was it economic? And no one really knows. But it's probably a mix of the couple. So we can, do you want to discuss causes for a bit? The really interesting thing when discussing the causes is looking at the rebels' demands, um, in which come in the form of the 24 Articles of Faith. So the majority of them do seem to be religious, um, as we've established that their aims are you have things such as destroy heresy and supremacy of the church so bring back the pope um and you know heretics and reforming bishops to be removed so you have a lot of very clearly religious demands from the rebels who and so it's kind of you'd think that the aim was purely religious however then they throw in a couple rogue ones so they go have a parliament at nottingham or york and everyone's just like whiplash like where did that come from um they want mary to be made legitimate obviously that does have some religious undertones because she's a catholic daughter kind of thing but they want mary to be made legitimate (laughs) so that's just also kind of like a bit random and also somewhat political so there are definitely some political undertones within the 24 articles of faith um which make it kind of interesting but it's also interesting that they put them in the 24 articles of faith suggesting it is entirely about religion and then they're just like yeah it's not the 24 articles of politics it is the 24 articles of faith but then again but then again there are a lot of reasons why this could have been quite economically charged. So the areas that we're looking at, they're all northern. And we can see that the population rise that was hitting everywhere at this time was actually hitting the north just a little bit more, like they were feeling the strain more than other places. Um, at the same time, when you're in like more agricultural communities, it's not like London or Cambridge, it's quite agricultural um, stuff like with land enclosure 
and bad harvest can hit a bit more as well. And this, like, these conditions had already led to a small rising in a place called Craven in 1535. Um, we can also see that um, general, there were rising general prices and this meant landlords had to increase dues that had previously been promised to be fixed dues. Um, and there was a bad series of harvest that had kind of been happening since 1527. So it was particularly bad in the summer of 1535 where wheat prices were 82% higher than they had been in the previous year. And this, again, had led to grain riots in Somerset in 1536. But at the same time, I mean, you can counter that and say the harvest of 1536, like the summer before the risings, was actually a bit better than the one of 1535, um, even though it was on average worse for the time. So it's kind of like there's no clear correlation between the bad harvest and the revolt especially since you can that's not a pattern to work to the time so like there were really bad harvests 1527 to 30 um around 1555 and also 1596 onwards and you don't get a revolt then because of bad harvest so like is it a real cause rebellion is it just like a supplementary thing yeah it's mm. probably a i think personally for me i think the bad harvest kind of feed into this like um what's it called not underwhelming or like undertone of dissatisfaction of things being wrong of people having a problem with things i think the bad harvests feed into it but i think it's very hard to pitch them as their own cause personally looking at it but i yeah. think that maybe it could potentially be also be said that you know without the bad harvest maybe it wouldn't have gone as bad as it did kind of thing because they the people wouldn't have been quite as unhappy yeah definitely and i think also we do have to acknowledge the fact that robert ask is a lawyer like he is well versed in the legal problems going on with things like enclosure and with the poor economy and that even if it's not overt there probably would have been a lot of like just based on his background, he would have had ulterior motives with the Pilgrimage of Grace, whether he just hid it a little bit. And we actually can see that later in that um, he really tries to, you know, get the blame off him when they're all doing their confessions. He, like, claims that um, he was manipulated into it and that at the end he was, like, helping the king's men to push it down a bit. So there's no yeah. purity in this man's no it's because if it was not a passion project no if it was purely religious like it was most of these people he would have died with it i mean as i wouldn't have personally i would have absolutely thrown everyone under the bus but yeah i I didn't even go i got the invitation and like i didn't oh oh they said they they said my name they said i was at oh they must be the other one but i think probably the bigger element of the economic side of things is taxation so it was supposed to be um in resistance to this levy that was um voted in in 1534 at the same time a lot of northern counties were actually exempt from this um it only applied to people who had goods worth 20 pounds or an annual income of 20 pounds which again is quite a lot and so okay bearing in mind this is what like henry's government Henry's, no, Henry's court predicted that only 10% of rebels would have been affected by this tax. So, like, obviously, dodgy source, but... 
but also 10%, the fact that it's 10% as well, it's also quite high, bearing in mind, if you consider the number of gentry that were involved in this, we're not talking about 10% of normal people, we're probably talking mainly gentry, because they were involved in this like it's not the kind of normal people who are as badly affected by bad harvests and stuff like that it's kind of like two different brackets i guess and i think just the pure number of people that were actually involved in the pilgrimage of grace so i think by october 24th ish it was like thirty thousand people were actively involved it just shows that the impacts were bigger of these taxes and enclosure and everything that maybe the king and the king's men had actually anticipated it to be. Um, I think that they were always a little bit like, what's the word? Well, I'm just gonna say they weren't very caring for the North in like, you know, with the king. Well, like it's very much, the North is very much out of sight, out of mind. But then the other, like, major cause, obviously, is religion. And we've spoken about how they wanted to put an end to the royal supremacy. Some places said they wanted to restore the Pope. And there was a lot of anger at the loss of the monasteries. And again, we can pinpoint this to affecting more deeply in the northern parts of England. In West Riding, ecclesial property, ecclesiastical property, made up 30% of all land. This is this was three times um, the land held by the crown, all land held by the nobility. And two thirds of this ecclesiastical pro- property was monastic. So they've lost such a big chunk of their livelihood of like their normal way of being. Um, we can see that there was definitely a push. They wanted more pious religion in the North. In Yorkshire, they established chantries quite early on. And there was still gift to monasteries continuing well into the 1530s, even when they kind of started being dissolved. Actually talk about them actually, like, the actual pilgrimage part. So, basically, there are um, lots of rebellion. There are lots of, like, groups of rebels. um, And the gentry arrives to lead them. And the rebels marched to Lincoln, where they were joined by monks. So then the Duke of Suffolk comes along with a little armed force on behalf of the king. And the rebels disperse rather than, like, fighting them. Because this isn't, like, full-out war. They're not trying to, like, overthrow the king or something. They're just like, guys, we need you to hear that we're not happy. Um, and so then in York, around 40,000 rebels, led by Robert Ask have like they march to york and they grab york basically which is quite important because york is kind of like the capital of the north objectively don't come for me yeah no but this is where like the king's manor is it is the, the basis for like the council of the north when it when it's around so it is the political hub i would say at this point yeah the- and they get, the rebels get Pontefract Castle, which is very dangerous for old henners. You know, they've definitely made a splash on his radar now. He's now like, we, we, we the North is now relevant to him. So Henry decides to tell a little fib. 
and that he goes, okay, put your weapons down and we can talk. I'm not going to hurt you. Like, I'm not going to do anything. Just put your arms down and we can have a chat about this. And so the rebels maybe naively won't do that. They go, this is exactly they what would, we wanted. Yeah. Finally. They were just like, fine. We'll put our weapons down, we'll stop fighting you. And this just gave Henry the time to actually get himself together without any opposition. So he, in this time of like peace with the weapons down that are meant to be for discussion, he gathers an army that he can go and send. And that was the end. Well, yeah, that. no, so Grace. he... um Because a fresh rebellion broke out in 37. Yes. And he... And he crushes it with force. Yeah. And the rebels are all like, hey, yo, what? And he broke his word because he doesn't listen. However, interestingly, in the end of 1536, Henry offers a general pardon to, like, everybody, every rebel involved, including Robert Ask, as a way of trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Because then it's like, did he see this as a political threat then? You know? Like I think he did. I think it'd be hard not to. But maybe it's so. more he saw it as a group as one, but the individuals less so. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Or he's just a liar. I think he's a liar. <laughs> but overall, like the numbers of traitors that are killed, uh, that are executed, varies from source to source. There's not really a, a one true number. Some people say that it was like 178. Other people say much larger numbers, closer to 400. So it is difficult to say. But amongst that were the Vicar of Louth and Robert Ask. And this is this was what I was going to say earlier, but it was a spoiler. Is that I went to Robert Ask's grave the other day. Why? Yeah. I I didn't mean to. I just was there. <laughs> I, I Sorry to that. rewind. You were just chilling in a graveyard. No, it's not in a graveyard. It's just there. Like it's by the um. Like in the center of York. Yeah, basically. So it's because it, it's by like um the the tower basically so it's well phoebe i guess i'll have to come visit yeah so so i did actually stumble across it accidentally and i was like oh my goodness it's take a photo i should have taken take, i might have taken a photo take a I little did. selfie lara are there any cool take... graves in man manchester <laughs> not yet <laughs> <laughs> keep us updated if you find yeah. any cool <laughs> I have. thank you guys so much for listening <laughs> let us know it. what you want to hear from us did you enjoy this little rebellion episode did you did, did you <laughs> next week on should we try that again to the talk time. Okay, like, whatever.